the Now That We're a Family podcast. Here we are. We're back. Katie Joy. Wouldn't you say this is a little bit more our style? In the sense that we're like way behind and last minute recording a podcast before well, it's supposed to be posted. Yeah, we decided we liked that better. So we were trying to batch, like be all mature and get ahead of the week. And by the time we were showing you guys the podcast it was like weeks after we filmed it Mm. and we just weren't excited about it anymore not that we didn't still stand by everything we said but it just wasn't as fun for us and when we were sharing it with you guys we're like what did we even say on that you know so we realized we like being a little more under the gun and when we do it after the kids are asleep we don't have to worry about a babysitter it just got a lot more complicated and i don't know for the kids for us the stress was just heightened. So now we get to just chill out. The kids are asleep and we get to hang out with you guys. So I'm excited. Me too. And it does feel like we're speaking a little bit more in real time as to what we're learning, what the Lord's teaching us, what he's placed on our heart. Because like you said, I don't think that we had changed our heart on anything that we talked about No. You know, in the weeks prior to releasing episodes. But it didn't feel like as poignant, maybe. Like we weren't feeling it in the moment where we weren't really meaning it as as deeply in the moment when it actually got released. And now and now we are. Yeah. And, and this is real time. You guys are going to see this tomorrow or two days from now, one or two days from now. So anyways, that's fun. We're going to be talking about just a response to the COVID vaccine Afghanistan, inflation, just ma- like major world events. How we're feeling about major world events? Yeah, we kind of got sucked into it. We don't you think? Uh, I mean, I guess anybody that's living in the world it? is somewhat into it. Meaning, you and I, I think, are are like very intentional in being very selective on when we go to the news, on when we read articles, mm-hmm. when we talk to certain people that inform us heavily of the news. And, uh, yeah, we got, we got caught up and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying we got, we started getting more and more informed on what's going on, partially because you can't avoid it. You know, you start having to, you have to make some decisions for yourself, um, as individuals in this, in this time. And, uh, and it really crept into many areas. Yeah. Like our whole life. And I think it started having a, a very negative impact on how we were making decisions and how we were making goals, how we were you know, trying to plan the future. And I mean, it crept even into our marriage. You know, I think it really, and again, I don't think it's wrong to be informed on any of those things. I don't regret that. I think it was necessary for us. Um, But I don't think that we went to it with a lot of maturity and with a lot of grounding in the word and who we are in Christ. Wow. That's all new to me. Is that right? (laughs) That is all new to me. I'm like looking at you like, wow, I am learning new things every second you are talking. So I do agree that I feel like the news became unavoidable. How I know or how I feel like I should know something's going on is when I do avoid it and I still know about it. Sure. And that's kind of where we're at right now where you don't have to be on the news. I don't go on any news sites. I don't go on any news reports. I still have, you know... So many people I know and love actually, um, like, I don't want to say blocked. What do you say? Like muted? Like you don't see what they talk about because it's just too charged for me, Hmm. like politically charged, even though I love the people Um, on like social medias and stuff like that. But 
you still, this is word of mouth, you know, this is friends calling up and family calling up and talking on the phone and being like, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? What do you, what are your thoughts on this? And you can't get away from it. And so therefore Mm. I think we should be considering it. Yes. And, um, but I didn't realize, I guess that you feel like it's been a negative thing. Yeah, in our home. I don't think that we're currently in a negative spot. I think that for me personally, and this might not apply as much to you and where your heart or where your mind was throughout us processing things and trying to form plans for the future, but I know it's certainly true for myself where I was really tossed to and fro regarding much more of like a biblical mindset, you know, hopefully like a Christian mindset, a mindset that's really grounded in who I am in Christ, and then swinging back to what I would call maybe a more carnal mindset or a worldly mindset and just looking at the here and the now, the physical, everything that we can see and touch and, and only, only thinking about those things when making my plans and when considering the future. And I, I think that you in, in general are more grounded than I am when it comes to swinging back and forth from those types <laughs> of uh, extremes. Um, so you so. keep me grounded, but I do regret, um, I guess maybe some weeks in there of me being very, you know, falling, falling into anxiousness and having anxiety kind of rule in our home because I wasn't allowing the peace of God to rule in my heart and therefore in our home. So I think that's what I was speaking to in it, in it being, there being a negative aspect of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it's, it is so easy. You know, we've talked about this before on the podcast where as Christians, we can sometimes find ourselves in this situation where we're thinking, okay, so do I plan for the next 50 years this way, or do I plan for the next 50 years this way? And unfortunately that's a very worldly perspective as if this world is all we have, because that's what someone who doesn't have a hope beyond this earth, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, okay, so when this, you know, with this vaccine rolling out or with the, you know, there's a lot of fear surrounding that when it comes to people who have um, gotten it, people who haven't gotten it, there's just fear surrounding it. And I think of that with, you know, Afghanistan, with all the world, like floods and climate changes and stuff Mm -hmm. going on, people are wondering what to do with their money, the dollar and the inflation. And when you consider all these different things, you're thinking, Okay, so do I go by the cabin in the woods or like just camp out in National Forest, right? Mm. Or do I keep trying to live my life here? Do Mm -hmm. I just go along like, you know what? The world continues to progress. Things continue to change. This is just another shift. These are just, you know, wars and and climate and all medicine. All these things continue to change right Mm -hmm. over the years. So this is nothing new. I just need to keep going on with my life. And what we realized is, as a Christian, that those are the wrong perspectives to have. Yeah, wrong perspectives yeah. to have. I should and say. I don't think it's wrong to have to have the practical planning of your future vary based off of current um, circumstances and what you project the the current circumstances being. We've mentioned it even previously on the podcast. You know, the wise the wise man foresees evil and and hideth himself from it, or he foresees danger and hideth himself from it. So I I certainly think that practical decisions on where we put our money or whether we choose to travel somewhere, you know, what we're doing for our career, I think that's totally reasonable and a good thing Mm -hmm. to have altered in a practical way as you see the world changing and and progressing or going in certain directions. I think what we found, if I'm I'm correct, is that we, we really, our identity was like shifting back and forth 
and all of these things. Rather than having our identity be unwavering regardless of the circumstances and having our identity not be wrapped up in what our occupation is or where we're living or what our titles are or how, you know, how we're viewed by the majority of society or not viewed by the majority of society because all those things are going to vary and shift, but our identity will hold fast in Christ. And we have to go to God's word to discover our identity. It doesn't come from looking within. It doesn't go come from, you know, meeting with other professionals to tell you, to ask you these series of questions to help you find your interest and your giftings and your abilities. It doesn't come from taking personality tests. It comes from God's word. And he says who we are and he declares what our identity is. And he does it numerous times, but one of my favorite declarations of our identity is first, I'm going to read this one uh, so that I don't get it wrong, but it's first Peter chapter two, verse nine. And he says, but ye are a chosen generation. And I love that. And he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to just like elders. He's not talking to just church leadership or to just missionaries. He's talking to the church and to any, any person that's in Christ, a new creation in Christ. And he goes, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So he says who we are. He says, you're a chosen generation. And you think, well, that makes sense. Like we're in this time for a reason. This is when we're chosen for. You're a royal priesthood. And that's, again, that's speaking to everybody. That's not just speaking to professional ministry people. It's not speaking to the people that have been to seminary or the people that are just really into apologetics or into, you know, street evangelism. This is talking to the church. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. He's not talking, he's not talking to Israel here. He's not talking to America. He's talking to Christians. Christians are in and of themselves a holy nation separated from the world by God. He says, you're a peculiar people. Peculiar from what? Well, peculiar from everybody else that's not you. You know, there's going to be a peculiarity that comes with being a Christian and being set apart from this world. And then he goes on and says, and the reason is that you are all these things is that you should show forth the glory of him who has called you out of darkness, out of, out of the world, out of everything else, out of every other walk of life other than in Christ. He's called you out of that and into his marvelous light. And so when you read that, it's very specific on what our identity is. Mm -hmm. And maybe you don't relate with that. Maybe you can't speak from experience that that is your identity. But that's why we go to God's word and have him tell us what our identity is. And I think that when I go there first and I say, okay, this is who I am. And then I ask the question, how should I then engage as a father? Or how should I then engage as a professional? Or how should I engage politically? It's already with the uh, preconceived notion or the presupposition that this is already who I am. I'm set forth to proclaim the glory of him, but how I do that, it's probably going to look a little bit different from person to person, but we're all starting with the same identity. If you're in Christ, you're starting with the same identity and that you're a new creation in him. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, he bought you. You no longer belong to yourself, but you've been bought at a price to glorify God in your body. I love that so much, Elisha. I just think like it's simple, but it's profound, like Mm. most profound things in life. And I just love that instead of thinking, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And rather than judging other people's decisions by what they do, what they do, what they do, honestly thinking, okay, who am I? Mm. 
and we are covered by Christ and our goal here on earth, what we're supposed to be about, regardless of what we do financially or regardless of how we take care of our kids or Mm. where we live or where we don't live is to glorify him and to spread the good news, the gospel. And the good news is always good news. Like there's always good news on this earth. And that is the gospel. And when we are immersed in that and when we are growing in that and when we're understanding like, wow, just like having that heavenly perspective of this earth is just a setup. Like it's just a prep phase for everything that the Lord has in store for us. This isn't the end all be all Then it lets me at least let go of the fear a lot easier. Let go of the, um, even the judgment on maybe what someone else is doing with their life that yeah. I don't agree with. It's like, you know what? Let it go. It doesn't matter. What matters is the good news of the gospel, and that's what we should be spreading. Yeah. Well, what people do with their life does matter, and I know I know you do think that matters, but it what it matters is where, where it's stemming from, first and foremost. Yes, yes. I think that, you know, people talk about getting the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse, you know, or, you know, you want to look at the root, not the fruit, and the, the, the root has to come first, and then you evaluate the fruit. Um, I, I certainly do think our actions and our behaviors have ramifications, not just for not just for this earth, but I think for for eternity as well. I think it's time for a commercial on Voberg Music Academy. I couldn't think of a better product to do commercial on. I love Voberg Music Academy for so many reasons. One of which is it's super affordable. Families can share lessons, so you only pay for one monthly lesson on say piano or guitar and all the kids in the family can learn the exact same thing yeah because katie and i are big proponents of families doing music together katie played music with her siblings i grew up playing music with my siblings and it's a really practical way to come together as a family it's not always easy but it's always i think rewarding and fruitful so we want families to do our courses together if they'd like to of course you can do it as an individual but not only can you do it together as a family you can also afford it very much so as a family. Yeah, and it, your teacher's always with you. So meaning Elisha or Kelsey or Emily or Lilia, I guess we have a lot of awesome teachers on Milford yes. Music Academy now, but you could always fast forward if you get something really quickly or you could slow it down so students of all different levels can learn from the same video. It's super cool. That's right. So if you don't know anything about any of these instruments, the piano, the guitar, the mandolin, the fiddle, or the ukulele, Voberg Music Academy is a great place to start because it doesn't cost a lot of money to get going. We really cater to the beginner student and it also is at your pace. And so maybe you don't know how quickly you're going to grab onto something. Maybe your children are going to learn at different paces because that's certainly how it happened in my family. Well, that's great. Voberg Music Academy works for every pace, pretty much every style of learning because you're learning by ear. You're learning how to play songs in every lesson. So go over to VoberGMusicAcademy.com. Can I say one more thing? Yes. Okay. Before you go to VoteWorkMusicAcademy.com, all the lessons are song-based. So you start out learning fun songs, and you learn a song every single lesson. So it's not boring. It's super interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So now go to VoteWorkMusicAcademy.com. And when you go to sign up, if you use the coupon code PODCAST, you will get 15% off every month that you are subscribed to your course. It's a monthly subscription. And every single month, you'll get 15% off with the coupon code PODCAST. So head over there, get going on your lessons, and then share your progress with us. We can't wait to hear your songs and how, and how you progress. 
I think what I'm specifically referring to, I'm glad you're here to back me up <laughs> to say what I'm not saying uh, because you're so right. I was saying this very broad picture. I think I'm specifically thinking of Christians who are very polarized with decisions that other Christians are making right yeah, now. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, yeah. it's the body fighting the body yes. instead of really just being like, you know what, we're unified in this world isn't our home mm. and there will always be set, um, you know, sin, death, disease, and, de- and death, and death, and death. Yeah, <laughs> All multiple these forms of death. Here on earth... And when we are clinging, I think when we get a lot of the anger that we can get here on earth from someone not making decisions the way we would want them to do, I feel like that's a sign that we're clinging to earth too tightly. Sure. Because it's a blip. Yeah. It's a blip. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that for, for myself, I'm, I just am prone to forgetting the gospel and therefore mm-hmm. forgetting who I now am you know, what my identity is because of the gospel. And if I, if I am as quick as I am to forget the gospel, I have to assume that there are other Christians and maybe many Christians that naturally do not remember and believe the gospel. I think that when people say, hey, preach, you preach the gospel to yourself every day, or, you know, Paul tells us time and time again, he's saying, hey, I remind you of these things. He's saying, this is what has been done. This is what the gospel is. You know, so th- therefore, you know, behave this way. But he always specifies before he gives those, you know, commandments or before he gives us those, what is it, indicatives, imperatives, I forget which one it is. But oh, he, man, he says, like, know. this is what has happened. This is the gospel message. This is who you now are because of the gospel. So behave in this manner. And that remembering what the gospel is has to be a daily thing for me, a regular thing for me. I can't assume that I just am acting out of this deep-rooted understanding and belief in the gospel. I have to, like, revisit it again and again, and I, and I really do think that all Christians need the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so when people assume, like, oh, yeah, we're all on the same page in our identity, well, I don't think we should assume that. I think, again, just speaking from my personal experience, most professing Christians do not naturally remember the profundity of the gospel and what it actually means for their life. I think that we're so prone to being human and getting to the do. Like, rather than focusing and acknowledging what's been done, mm-hmm. say, well, like, what do we need to do? Like, we're activists. We need to go take action in this way. Um, and again, that's not wrong if first you have your identity and your root and your grounding in what Christ has already done. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to my mom on the phone the other day. I just called her up because, you know, all this news is circulating. And so I called up my mom and just wanted to talk with someone who I could talk really openly with. And she was like, well, Katie, she's like, regardless of what you do, she's like, uh, be in the word nine times more than you're talking about what's going on in the world. Hmm. And I just thought that is so good because that ratio is perfectly skewed, I think, about. And that I'm in the word maybe one time for every nine times I am talking about what's going on in the world. And that's Mm. just not, there's no hope in that. Mm. There's no good news in that or very little good news at this point. And like you said, that's not our identity. Our identity isn't just, our identity isn't wrapped up in what our time on this world looks like. And I think sometimes even as Christians, when, you know, one of the biggest struggles with believers and non-believers is we look at what's happened here on this earth 
at different times in history or maybe to a loved one that we know. And we think, okay, how could a good God allow these things, right? How could a God let this tragedy happen Mm -hmm. if he does love us or whatever? And I just think it's because it's, it's, it's so fast. Like he's just setting up, like maybe the person who died prematurely that they're like with, they're with God in heaven, like for eternity. Like maybe that's a blessing, you know, or like if some of the big slaughters here that have happened on earth or some of the most terrible diseases that have just wiped out huge crowds of people, it's like, maybe that was God in his mercy. And so many people are now rejoicing with him. You know, like we just don't see the big picture of things. Mm -hmm. And so at least for me, I know that when I'm fearing things and I'm holding on to this life and the people I love so dearly, it really helps to be in God's word because it just reminds me, wow, like God has it all under control hmm. and he has my best interest in mind as it pertains to his best interest for him hmm. and for his glory. And I can walk in that. And I think that's just very freeing for me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Being able to have that perspective, it's a biblical perspective, and being transformed by the renewing of our mind, which can only come from, like you said, immersing ourselves in God's Word. Yeah. Because you know you're going to be bombarded with the messaging of this world, and so the the compensation that needs to happen in order to get that ratio in a way that's actually transforming to your mind, you have to be really proactive to get that ratio. You know, I was just telling you, Katie, I picked up a a C.S. Lewis book a couple nights ago. And oh, yeah. I think it was the Weight of Glory book. And I'm such like a hot and cold guy with C.S. Lewis. I feel like I like loved him when I was like 20. And then I thought he was so annoying for like 10 years. But I've been revisiting some of these books. And uh, and they've really been blessing me. Uh, but this book, The Weight of Glory, which is like an assortment of lectures that he gave to various universities. And one of the lectures is titled... Um, I think it's titled Learning in Wartime. And so this is during World War II. And I'm going to paraphrase like all of this because obviously I'm not going to read it verbatim. I don't have it here with me. But he's addressing the class and he's saying, you know, many people are asking me, what's the point in learning mathematics or in studying the arts and the sciences when it's like when we're facing what seems like eminent doom? You know, this this is the greatest war anybody in this generation had ever seen or, or heard of that you know at that time and they're and they they here they were at either oxford or i think they're at oxford and he's and he's trying to give them a perspective on what the purpose is on learning because they're saying why are we even doing this like we're probably either going to die next year or my brother's going to die somebody's going to die the world's never going to be the same again and he goes on to say you know if it takes a war for you to have that perspective then you're asking the question for all the wrong reasons and he goes on to say, you know, the tragedy that, you know, Nero, because, you know, Nero was fiddling as Rome burned. And he was saying the tragedy isn't that Nero was flippant with the destruction of a city, but that he was flippant as he was on the precipice of eternity. And that goes the same for us, again, in this lecture, people during wartime or maybe us now as the, the, the world seems so vulnerable. The fact that we're asking this question, should we be pursuing you know, family, should we be having children? Should we be pursuing further education or advancing our career? Or should we be relocating? Um, 
we're asking the question for the wrong reason because we're on the precipice of eternity. Mm-hmm. Everybody that we walk past on the street is on the precipice of eternity. And that's always been the case. And that always will be the case as long as we we're here on this earth. It's going to be for but a moment. So therefore, what do you say? Well, for whatever you do, you go to 1 Corinthians. Whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And even again, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul's saying, you know, to the weak I became the weak, and to the strong I became the strong, to the wise I became the wise, to the fools I became the fools, I became all things to all people. And it wasn't just so that he could get along with them or have a successful career, you know, or have great, you know, impact in the world's eyes here on this earth. It's so that he could... He did it. He said verbatim, I did this for the sake of the gospel, that some might be saved. And having that gospel centered mindset when you go to, you know, university or when you're raising children or when you're pursuing your occupation doesn't mean you're going to change your logistical situation, but it does mean that your perspective on it and your why for doing it probably isn't going to change. Yeah. And I think that's so much trickier. I'm having a hard time talking today. I feel like I really like what you're saying, so I just kind of get immersed in it, and then you stop, and then I'm like, oh, oh I should, <laughs> I want to say something now, but the words aren't coming. But I just, I think that's so much easier said than done. Yes. I guess, when it comes to, but but I think that's like being in the Word and walking so closely with God is what makes that easy because that's where our mind's at. Hmm. Like our mind is at where we're spending our time. Hmm. And so... Like if we're in the word and we're constantly being reminded of like, we are here, you know, these guys, you know, they were in college, like getting an art degree. Like I'm doing art for the glory of God. Like God gave me the ability to be creative. I'm doing this for the glory of God. So whether I die in the war or whether Mm -hmm. the wars or, you know, whether I have to go fight or whether the world's never the same again, I still did this to glorify God during this season of my life with the abilities that he blessed me with. And I can think of that with raising our children faithfully mm. or the conversations I'm having daily or creating beauty in my home or just working faithfully as under the Lord, none of it is for naught, regardless of whether, you know, the world just thrives over the next hundred years, whether they're, you know, or America specifically, I think talking about the world in general is very hard because it, depending on where you're at in the world, so many different things can be going on. Yeah. Um, but like you said, we're always at the precipice of eternity. You know, we don't know when our last breath is going to be regardless mm-hmm. of what's happening in the world. You know, we might be sick of or scared of uh, all these different things happening right now. Mm. Uh, but it's like, you know what? Every breath we take is the Lord's. He mm. could take that away tomorrow. Yes. Regardless of what I what precautions I'm taking, you know, yes. medically or yep. socially or right. any of those things, you know? Yeah, that's right. And something that I've wanted to make a, a point in doing is to, is to letting who I am in Christ then inform me on how I should behave in these other, um, I guess, positions of my life and these other callings of my life. Um, if I'm, if this is who I am in Christ, well then how should I behave then as a husband or as a father or as a member of my local church, or as a member of the United States of America, or as somebody that's a business owner or an entrepreneur, rather than vice versa saying, well, I'm a mother first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I've got to protect my children. I've got to you know, think of their future. And you say, no, first I'm a Christian. I am a mother. 
that no, title. You're a father. Oh yeah, I'm a father. Yeah, sure. So I <laughs> we'll, we'll use that. It's easier to speak to that probably. <laughs> well, I uh, speaking to our female population yeah. <laughs> coming in hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> For female listeners. Uh, because the your position as a as a father that is true that is who you are but first and foremost you are a Christian now what does the Bible say about your position as a father oh you are a provider and a and a protector so therefore you should make practical decisions considering that's who you are in your role as a Christian father and as a Christian husband and so it's not neglecting the things of this world it's not neglecting the physical things but it's having your decisions be informed by who you are ultimately for eternity, and that's a, a blood-bought child of God, set forth to proclaim his glory. And, you know, I love it how when Paul talks, and this is probably pretty relevant because of, you know, freedoms being taken away or threatened and all those things here in the, in the U.S., and um, when Paul's talking to, to people that now have liberty that are out from underneath the law, and, and he's saying, hey, well, don't use your liberty as opportunity for the flesh— but to walk in the spirit and to proclaim the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel. And, and I think of the liberties and the freedoms that we've had here for so long. And if they're being threatened or if they're not being threatened, if they're going to continue on or not, ultimately it's saying, well, whether you lose freedoms, whether you have your freedoms, ultimately it's not for, it's not for the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's not for yes. your worldly life here. It's not for our comfort. No. It's not for our security. Right. Regardless security. of, of what, what it is, you know, do all to the glory of God and further, further his gospel. And Paul even says in Corinthians too, he says, Hey, if you're, if you, he's talking to people that are slaves, he said, if you're a slave, you're actually free in Christ. So since you're free in Christ, honor your master. He's saying, if you're not a slave, but you're freed from being a slave, you're actually a slave. So you're freed in, you know, here on this earth, but you're actually a slave to Christ. So be obedient to Christ. Like and, either way, we're slaves to Christ. Yes. And I, I don't think of that as my identity when I get up in the morning. I think oh, I'm a free American yes. who, you know, has women's rights and has, you know, can do pretty much whatever I want. That's more often what I think right. than, okay, I am Christ. He has bought me. Therefore, he owns me. What would he have me be about today? Yeah, that's right. And that just changes the whole perspective, mm. especially around these emotions that I think sometimes we can think are godly, you know, when it comes to like, or righteous, you know, like, oh, I'm righteously angry Yes. that these Christians aren't acting like these Christians or whatever, or I'm anxious or fearful. It's like... I don't know. Like I've definitely gone through each one of those emotions. Yeah, me too. Um, but I, I feel like some, a big part of what's taken them away is that heaven book, hmm. you know, yeah. like, That's you know, it so could good. be called the Bible, you know, the heaven no, book. it's not, it can't be, it's totally <laughs> it's, different. It's yeah. not. I mean, it's not um, totally different, but it's not no, the Bible. I'm teasing. I'm saying I could probably describe the Bible as that heaven book because that's oh. where it's like mentioned first. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, this it's by Randy, Randy Alcorn. And I really encourage you guys to read it because I mentioned this on my Instagram, how I never looked forward to heaven. I knew, like I have faith, right? And so I know because I trust God that it's going to be wonderful because he says it's going to be wonderful. That said, I was not personally excited about it. Hmm. And reading this book on heaven and just how our desires and 
the things that the Lord places on our heart and like our desire to grow and work and learn and have rich relationship and, you know, all the things that make earth enjoyable and fulfilling, heaven is just going to be that on steroids. You know, it's just going to be like a perfect place to have relationship and fellowship and grow and learn and work and create and study new things. It's not like, I think I thought, oh, we just go up into heaven and then like, we know everything. Time exists for eternity, which is pretty daunting. And then it's just like a giant church service, which I guess I'll like because I'm in heaven. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This book does such a good job of really giving you a more of a clear picture on what better is or what heavenly is versus it rather than it just being ambiguous, you know, or kind of ethereal, which is, I think, how I've definitely thought of eternity and, and of heaven. And with anything, you know, if you if you're excited about a vacation that you're like saving money for and you're it's, you know, eight months away and you're saving every month to go on this vacation and you're working towards it but you can't really picture where you're going and you don't really know what it looks like. You don't really know what you're going to do there. It'd be really hard to get excited about it. Mm -hmm. But when we're planning for vacations, we, a lot of times people will like put a picture of the resort they're going to as like a motivator and they see it every day and they're like, Oh, I'm going here. And they're checking the weather for when it gets closer to the time when they're going and, and they start shopping for clothes to wear when they're at that place. Cause they can picture it mm -hmm. and they know exactly to, to some extent what it's going to look like and how, what the experience is going to be. And they've got very practical hope in what that's going to be. But with heaven, again, we're not going to, we thank goodness. We don't get to have the, we haven't, we don't know specifically what it's going to be. It's going to be far greater than we yes, can imagine. Yes. But the Bible has given us some insights that we can put our imagination to work on and that we can put pictures from this earth to some of these uh, descriptions of heaven and actually start looking forward to it and working towards towards that. Yes, and still having this like understanding that God has us here for a reason mm. and he wants us to live out this earthly walk with as much... Um, fortitude and I think faithfulness faithfulness yeah. and he gave us these things so that I think we can feel be fulfilled in this life not yes. perfectly like we are in him um, but you know what I'm saying yeah and we should steward what he's given yes. us for this time we aren't here just on you know sitting in the corner just like can't wait to go to heaven Lord Jesus come you know and I think that this has given me a lot of hope when it comes to my children hmm. because I've always struggled with the concept you know the Lord has not called Elisha or I at this point, and God forbid he ever calls us to uh, walk through the death of a child mm. that is here on this earth with us and then, you know, experiencing them leaving. Mm -hmm. Like we've had a miscarriage, but nothing where we like knew the child. Mm -hmm. And I know that that would just, I know that I don't know how hard that would be. And mm -hmm. I think I couldn't ever picture it or I never even wanted to think of that until now. And I think I was always scared about how that could break me. Or like losing Elisha, like, will I keep my faith if something like that ever mm -hmm. happened? And that scared me. And I think reading this book has just given me this perspective of even though we mourn loss here on earth, like, I can have this hope that it's like, you know, whatever God placed, like whatever hopes and dreams and desires God placed on, you know, my six-year-old's heart that he wasn't able to live out mm -hmm. he can live out those things in heaven mm -hmm. it's not like his life was cut short 
it's just he's living his life in a new place now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think sometimes we think, oh, life ended too soon. Instead of that life, it's just having just a continuation hmm. of life. Hmm. It's just perfect life now. Yeah, that's you right. Know? That's, There's the total absence glorious. of, yeah, absence of sin and evil and the perfect presence with, with Christ. But I think I've always pictured it as like, like that's the end. Like right. that was all you got experienced that was like cool here on earth and yeah it came with some issues and it came with sin and sickness and all this but now it's over like that was your one shot at life and now you go to heaven which is the little soul place where you like bounce around and you don't Mm -hmm. get to get married and you know yeah and it's just not that yeah yeah because i mean i think so many of the the things that we take joy in in this earth and seeing our children grow up and experience new things and uh, and the love that we have for them I think it's easy to view that as being temporary to this earth. Mm-hmm. And but no, we get to bring that with us into eternity, but it's going to be perfected. It's going to be in perfection that that affection that we have for one another, for our children, um for righteousness, for experiences, um it'll only be fully glorified there. Yeah. And it also has encouraged me that relationships are eternal. And real like relationships are one of those things that it's easy on earth to think I'm going to draw this wedge with this other person, this other Christian, because they don't believe like I do, or I am going to not have relationship with this unbeliever because they are politically different than I am. Mm -hmm. And clearly they're a lost cause. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of being like, you know what? This relationship is actually what we're here to do. We're Hmm. here to build relationship, glorify Christ, draw people to him through that relationship. And when we're in heaven, there are going to be some very relationship rich people that took the time to work through the hard temporary stuff here on earth to have that relationship in heaven. Yeah. And you know, the money, the politics, whatever, that stays here. Yeah, and when you really consider the implications of somebody that's, you know, what is it, is it in Matthew, the famous, like, many will come unto me and say, I did all these things in your name, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Um, and I think we're all so quick to, like, point out who those people are. We're like, oh, it's the people that have that, you know, political view. Clearly, they're not Christians or they're not saved. That should break our hearts. Yeah. If that's actually a reality, rather than having that drive a wedge, and a, if they're calling the name of Christ from a place of pretense or of false hope, or from a place that's actually not rooted in the true gospel, who Christ is, we should have great pity for them and pray for them, and we should be doing that for the Christians, anyways. You know how scary Wait, are you is it? Saying this is a Christian or this isn't a Christian? Either way, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. You don't, we don't know, and mm-hmm. I a lot yes. of times. Yes, and I think because of that, that's why we should never cease preaching to each other the gospel, so that you can really believe the true words, you know, the true gospel that is the power of God unto salvation, the words that lead to eternal life, um, and that it's not a man-made religion or it's not a distorted you know, version of Christianity that doesn't have actually the true power of the gospel in it. Um, it To me, it seems like that should like break our hearts rather than infuriate us. Maybe we could be infuriated by the negativity that it's causing, but for the people themselves, mm-hmm. we say, boy, they might not be saved. Mm-hmm. They might be the people going to God and saying, I did all these things in your name. And he's saying, I never knew you. And obviously we should be 
asking that of ourselves too. Is that who we are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is our hope in Christ or is it in something else? I feel like I go in and out of having this like vision. And um, I think though like ultimately when I'm in the word, I feel kind of like that Max Lucado like stars and dots story, you know, where people give each other stars and dot stickers and they stick on you. And then there was this girl, Lucinda, and no stars stuck on her and no dots stuck on her. A dot was like, if you don't like someone and a star was, if you do, Hmm. it's kind of like a Facebook thumbs up, (laughs) but I feel like that with anger, with anxiety, with fear, like Elisha and I are moving ahead with what we feel like is best for our family and making personal decisions. But the fear and the anxiousness and the anger that goes with all that, I just feel like we've really been able to shed a lot of that. And when it comes in, it's like, okay, we need to go to God's word. Yeah. That's where that's where I feel like. Yes. Yeah, because you're right. Why we, are you smirking? Well, you I, are so I'm like, not. Well, because we'd be lying to say oh that like word. we haven't taken action on in practical ways. Oh, yeah. We yeah, take, we like, take action all the time, but there's yes, an excitement behind it. Yeah, but it's it. like we want to always have our hope be in Christ and not be stemming from this place of, of anxiety or fear. Yeah, you know, you um, think of that verse. Oh, dang it. What is it? Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I will remember the name of the Lord my God. Mm-hmm. And I just think... At the end of the day, you can have a lot of, you can almost laugh at what you're doing, regardless of what decision you're making, because you're like, okay, I'm making this decision because I think it's going to protect, protect me and my mm-hmm. family. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all God's yeah. and he can, he just decides what happens. So we walk as best as we can and then the outcome is his. And there's just like that freedom in it yeah. and that peace about it. 